ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, you are listening live to the Loud Marlin Fan Podcast. It has been a while, friends, family, Twitter followers, Instagram followers, TikTok followers. It has been a while. I have not recorded an episode in roughly four and a half months. I apologize for that. Why? Why did I not record an episode since late July, early August, since the trade deadline of the 2021 trade deadline passed? There wasn't much for me to talk about as a positive podcast. The Marlins had a rough, rough 2021 campaign. And I apologize. As much as I love this team, I followed this team. I watched or listened to every inning of baseball for this team in 2021. I just couldn't come on a podcast and make content that you would have liked listening to. As positive as I am, as stories that I want to tell you, I just couldn't wrap my head around talking about something as we were having such a tumultuous, horrible season. So what brings me back? It is early December when I'm recording this. There is a work stoppage that happened at midnight last night. It is 9-2-2021. What's brought me back? Well, quite simple. You. You want to hear what I have to say. Many of you have written me, posted, asked me when I'm coming back. Well, I am back. I can't promise a weekly episode, but we'll get at least one or two a month. And I hope you still listen. I hope you still enjoy because I do this for you, the Loud Marlins fan fan, the fans who want to hear my voice, the fans who want to know what's going on in my head and what I think, the ones who interact with me, which now we're up to 1,300 plus followers on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter combined. Give myself a round of applause. Give yourselves a round of applause for following me. I greatly appreciate it. And if you're not following me and you just happen to stumble upon this podcast, I am Loud Marlins fan. It's that simple to find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Loud Marlins fan. I'm a diehard Marlins fan. I am an original Marlins fan. I am 35 years old, almost 36, and I am a Marlins fan my whole life. Minus the first couple years or six years that they weren't a team. So, what has happened since my last recorded episode in late July, early August 2021? Well, I went to Denver, Colorado, and I will be doing an episode on that and that wonderful trip. Uh, the Marlins finished 65 and 97. Or sorry, 67 and 95 in last year's campaign. Got those numbers mixed up. We finished on a hot streak, though, with two wins versus the Phillies. So, you know, we uh, we could at least stand on that. 
We finished fourth in the division over the Washington Nationals by two games. And now we're in the offseason to a Major League Baseball that technically does not exist right now because there is a lockout. My thoughts on the lockout. Next. Well, I'm not a fan of a lockout. I don't know any fan who can be a fan of a lockout. The players are locked out of the facilities. The players are locked out of negotiating. The winter meetings have been canceled for next week. And I'm not a fan of it. I love the Marlins. I love the effort the players put in. The players are Major League Baseball. And I'm very unhappy that they could not come to an agreement, a collective bargaining agreement, since the one in 2016 has now expired. So what needs to happen? I have no control over it. I have thoughts on it. I can preach to the choir and say, give the players everything they want. I can say how much Rob Manfred sucks. He makes up these rules during the seasons. Apparently, they're using different balls for different games. How is that fair competitive advantage for anybody? You're putting the spotlighted teams or the large market teams, almost every national game that's televised on ESPN, on Fox or MLB on Fox, TBS, YouTube. I think the Marlins got one YouTube game last season versus the Phillies. It was a Thursday, end of May. That was actually the start of uh, what would be an 11-game losing streak. That was the last time the Marlins were half a game or one game out of 500. And now there's no baseball. So I am not a fan of a lockout. And from the way I understand it, the players want more. The owners make it all. The owners decide no matter how low their payroll is, they're making money. They decide what to do with people's lives. They have all this control over the youth and the young players. They, they don't even want to bring the players who deserve to be up up because they want to hold on to them and pay them dirt cheap for an extra year if they can hold them down for a couple weeks. It's not fair to the players. I mean, I'm all for people making money, but you got to share it. I don't understand how Starling Marte, at age 33 now, gets a $20 million a year contract. I don't understand how a 37-year-old Max Scherzer gets traded from the Nationals to the Dodgers and then just gets paid gets paid by the Mets roughly what was it 43 million a year 43.3 million a year that's a lot of money man he's 37 years old the guy could ball but look at what you're setting. Look at what these 
these players who are at the top, right? It's the top versus the bottom. And these players at the top are making that much money, $43 million a year. For a 30, he's going to be 40. The guy couldn't pitch game six of the National League Championship Series because he blew out his arm. And he just made $43 million a year. Again, good for him. Bad for baseball. Because that $43 million, much of that is being taken away from a younger player who may be just above average, who's not going to make that now. Starling Marte, 19 or $20 million for four years with the Mets. The Marlins went up to $15 million offer. They should have never traded him. They should have offered that to begin with, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. But we are having this conversation. At least I am with myself. And you're listening. It's very hard to compete in that market. It's very hard for the younger players who are already held back because of the six years of team control, sometimes a little bit more if they hold them down a couple extra weeks. They're not going to make that money because small market teams are just going to bring up the youth and continue that trend. And there's a lot of players who don't get paid. Players are going overseas to get paid. Because in Major League Baseball, it's very difficult for them to make money if they're not the top echelon of the league. The Manny Machados, the Tatises. I was very surprised that the Tampa Bay Rays signed a player to what, an eight-year deal or something to that effect? One of their star players. The first time ever in their franchise history. Wander Franco, $200 million plus dollars with the Rays. That's not like the Rays to do, but I'm happy for them. I'm happy for a small market team, and the Rays are the, the trendsetter of small market teams. They're the small market team that face the two biggest or one of the two or two of the five largest big-named teams in the league, the Yankees and the Red Sox in that division, and the Rays are competing with a small payroll. Wander Franco, I think the first couple years, it, it may start out at like $3 million or $6 million and go to $6 million before the, the larger millions hit. And he even put into that deal more money if he gets traded to stop them from trading him. It is... Very good for the Rays. Good for baseball. That's a small market team spending money, but not many of them do, and that's bad for baseball. And that's what's wrong with the what, what what's wrong with the league right now. Again, the top players, now the older top players are making so much money, which takes away from others. And it hurts the league too, because quite frankly. Our Marlins just made some good signings. We did. We just made some good trades and signings, and I'll go over them in just a second. But we made good signings. But we couldn't get Marte because we should have signed him when we had him. But because we didn't have control of him, he remained in talks with him uh, 
per Craig Mission, the Miami Herald article I just read. Marte was in. Marte was still in talks with the Marlins, and they finally went up to, I think, 14 or 15 million, finally, which they should have done during the season. They gave him the fourth year that he ultimately wanted, but the Mets offered 17.8 million. Or, or something to that effect. I think he's getting like 20 million average, but it's insane that we can't even compete for a player who wants to be here, who liked being here. We should have signed him when we had him. And that I will keep saying because ownership messed that up. But he was still in talks with us. And instead he goes and signs with the Mets because the Mets can spend that money. The Mets are a New York team. The Mets are the National League mini version of the Yankees. They have the their Sky Network deal. SNY Network deal. And they make a lot of money. So you know what that means? Big market team. They get to spend more. But that hurts baseball because there's no there's no floor. For the Marlins to have to compete. There's no floor for the Orioles to have to compete in the East. There's no floor in the National League Central for the Pirates to compete. There's no cap either, which is why Max Scherzer, at age 37, age 37, the dude's not in his prime, gets $43 freaking million dollars a year. It hurts. It hurts baseball. And the owners are at fault. The owners are at fault for paying that much and raising the market. The 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 Scott Borises of the world are at fault for asking for that much. The players are not at fault for taking it. It should never be offered. Because it hurts the league. And the funny part is they're giving this money away and then they locked the players out after they gave all this money away. The system that's broken, they just fed into. They said, we will spend this money. The Miami Marlins just made good moves. The Miami Marlins signed a pitcher to an extension, a arbitration, three-year left on arbitration pitcher. We paid Sandy Alcantara. Something the Marlins have never done before. We gave out $109 million on Sunday. I think it was November 20, 28th. I better remember that since it was my anniversary. $109 million. The Marlins have never done that in the history of this franchise. Never done it. We paid a pitcher. Celebrate, everybody. We paid Sandy for five years with a team option of a sixth. We got paid. And I can't be happier for such a nice guy, such a, a, a bright light to this team, a guy who wants to be in Miami. There was another guy like this a few years back that unfortunately passed away. That started this whole downfall of the, the Loria selling the team 
who started this downfall of the Marlins going in the route that we did, the reset. And I'm not putting that all on it. But the Marlins were going to lose Jose Fernandez because he was going to require so much money to stay here. And they offered him a lowball deal the year before he passed, right after his surgery, to try to lock him into something like Sandy Alcantara just locked into. And for the first time ever, the Marlins have done it. We've signed a pitcher. Now let me give you some names that this has not happened to, because for the newer fans, the younger crowd who listens to my podcast, you just weren't around for the Kevin Browns, the Al Leiters, the... Uh, Alex Fernandez's, you weren't around for the Josh Beckett's, the Brad Pennies, and I know I'm talking about the championship years, but that's when we had the best pitching. Dontrell Willis didn't stick around. I know he uh, had a, went downhill as far as his career was concerned when he went to Detroit, but before he had won 20 games a couple years prior. And we didn't offer him these deals. This was something we have not ever done, is sign a pitcher who's arbitration elig eligible for another three years. We inked him. We have him. He wants to be here for the next five or six. And this is the time to win. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, I'm not going to tell you that we don't have good depth in our minor leagues. That could one day be great. But I'm going to tell you that now is that door, that window for the Marlins to win. Because players want to be here. And we just inked our own to stay. And it's wonderful. Again, I'm so happy that Sandy decided to take that deal when he did. I'm happy he got paid. We don't know what the new CBA is going to look like. We're in a lockout. And Sandy is the first Miami Marlins player, pitcher, pitcher, let's get that clear, pitcher, to sign this type of deal. It is wonderful for this team. It, it is great for us as the fans. And Sandy signed a $56 million deal. Let's start there before any free agent signings. What this means to the Miami Marlins. Again, Sandy is the first pitcher, guys. The first, girls, the first picture, pitcher, not picture, pitcher, to sign this type of deal with this team who wasn't only going to stay for a year. A homegrown pitcher. We've never done it before. And I'm so happy that we now have. Really am. Trying to pull up some details on exactly how much. Uh, or the year's breakdown. It doesn't really matter. But Sandy has signed. So Sandy signs. I spoke before about how Starlin Marte is no longer a Marlin. 
We traded him. We will see if uh, Jesus Lazardo, the hometown kid who had a underperforming year with the two teams he was with, he looked good in some of those games versus with with the Marlins. He he had I think a two or three hitter in one of the Saturday games I went to. He has the stuff, but at the third time around he like loses control. But that's going to be stopped. Mel Stoudemire Jr. is going to coach him up. But that goes back to the winning time is now because if Jesus Lazardo is your fifth starter, you have an amazing, amazing pitching staff. Sixto Sanchez openly said that he was out of shape, that maybe his heart wasn't in it. Maybe he get, like took it easy. And now he has fire lit up in his ass because he got injured. And you know what? This, this message that Sandy just said is... Hey, we I'm here to win. You guys better bleeping win too. And Sandy got the lowest, I think of all our pitchers, got the lowest run support last year. He was the DeGrom of the Marlins, if you want to bring the Mets back. And he was the DeGrom of the Marlins, getting, I think, one or two runs a game. But Sandy is a Marlin. That's amazing. So happy for him. Glad he got paid. Happy for this franchise that we're moving forward with homegrown pitching. And that in the Ozuna trade, because we traded Marcelo Ozuna for him and some others, that is the highlight of the Ozuna trade. Probably the highlight of all the trades between of the, th the three outfielders, uh, which isn't important because we're not going backwards. We're moving forwards. And Sandy, who was part of that tr those trades, uh, is the shining star from it so the marlins follow that up by signing avisel garcia um i'll be frank with you i heard the name back in early november i watched him play here uh, last season with milwaukee but i'm gonna be frank with you i'm not i don't play fantasy baseball I have told you guys way before this podcast that you're listening to, and I'm a diehard Marlins fan. I don't really watch baseball outside of the Marlins. I'm locked in on the fish. So after reading some articles, some stats, stat lines, seeing the Milwaukee Brave, not Braves, <laughs> what am I thinking? Milwaukee Brewers, uh, hearing what their fans had to say about Garcia, he seems like a pro, man. He's a pro's pro. Dude has great numbers, a good average, above average, and has now solidified one of the spots needed going into the offseason, which was we need one or two outfielders to, to solidify that outfield. And apparently, I love the guy. De La Cruz is going to be the bench guy. Um we're going to have four great outfielders. Right now, we only have three. So if you look at the starting outfield as of today, as of this conversation, the day of the lockout, we if they ever play again, we have Garcia and Wright. Big move. $53 million over four years with an option for a fifth. That's a good deal. Bring him in. Apparently, again, thanks, Craig Mish. Uh, who did the reporting, he said that uh, 
Garcia was always part of the Marlins' plans this offseason. Um, and Starling Marte was the other one that they were targeting. Uh, they are going after some other center fielders, and maybe we'll get into that this episode or next. Um, hope, we'll see how much time's left. But he was part of the plan. We got part of the plan done. Got that outfielder that we were so desperately in need of because when you have the outfield crew that we did last season in and out with all the injuries, you know, once we traded Adam Duvall, that second half of that season, it was a rough. It was rough. It was rough. Uh, Lewis Brinson, no longer a Miami Marlin. It is very sad. It's a sad story. Lewis Brinson was part of a trade uh, that said sent Christian Yelich to the Milwaukee Brewers, speaking of Garcia's former team. And unfortunately, uh, you know, Lewis Brinson, a hometown kid, uh, loved Juan Pierre growing up, had his number based on Juan Pierre, just didn't live up to the hype. And that that happens. And it's it's weird that all four players in that trade had not or did not live up to the hype. Um, but uh, I wish nothing but the best as I'm looking at a calendar with uh, Lewis Brinson, the November uh, cover of it, a page of it. And it's, it's just sad that he's no longer a Marlin because he could have been decent, but he would have never lived up to all the hype and the pressure that was thrusted upon him. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he could be the next Cameron Maben or better than Cameron Maben, have a long, long career, uh, hopefully be part of a championship team, maybe come back to Miami in a couple years. We don't know, but we know he won't be here in 2022. So, and now we have another outfielder. Other moves Marlins have made. What was the other part that I kept talking about in my last episode, uh, which I listened to before recording this to see where I left off, and I said, we need a plan. We need a catcher, right? Well, the Marlins went out and got a catcher. Now, don't get me wrong. The Marlins catchers who we have on this roster now all played, and I'm talking about in the franchise, most of them played in the 40-man roster last season. What do I mean by that? Well, at the end of last season, the Marlins brought up Nick Fortes, Peyton Henry. We know that Alex Jackson, uh, the strikeout king who we traded Adam Duvall for, all three of those catchers who are on the roster still looked good, except maybe for Alex Jackson. He had some pop. He got a hold of a couple balls, but he's a strikeout king. Peyton Henry and Nick Fortes will will or can go into spring training, if there is one, and fight for the backup spot. Notice I didn't name a few names here, but before I get into that, what did the Marlins do? We grabbed a guy named Jacob Stallings from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Stallings could have been a Red Sox. More reporting by Craig Mish, but... Instead, he's a Miami Marlin. The Marlins targeted him. They made some moves to and traded some players to get him. I like the moves they made. They traded good prospects. Don't get me wrong. The guys they traded could be good. The pro, but they're prospects. They're not. They're, they're, we don't know, right? 
We just don't know. But Stallings, Jacob Stallings, is now a Miami Marlin. And that is good for Miami. He doesn't have pop, guys. He He's not the greatest hitter. In 2021, he hit 246. That's better than that, like, 100 that uh, uh, a guy named uh, Trash Can Leon hit, the best Marlins bullpen guy. He's no longer on our team. He's a free agent. I think he signed somewhere. Maybe he's not a free agent, but the point is he's not a Marlin. And I am excited about that. Trash Can Leon. He lives in my heart with a trash can here that I named after him. Trash Can Leon, gone. Alex Jackson, right now, could be the backup, the strikeout king. The Marlins do not, do not give up on players. We have shown that with, uh, before talked about, uh, Lewis Brinson. We did not give up on Lewis until we had to. We kept trying with him. We still have Monty Harrison, Isan Diaz in, in on our team. We don't give up on players. We get in trades, right? But the Marlins now have a starting pitcher, a catcher, starting pitcher. We signed, traded for a catcher, 31 years old. Jacob Stalling had his first gold glove last season. He uh, is a former all-star and a former gold glover. You can't ask for more except for a guy with pop, but the catchers with pop really don't exist. And you hope for a guy like this to be able to work with our young pitching staff, Trevor Rogers, get him better than the all-star is. You want him to work with Pablo. Hopefully Pablo's still on the team once we get out of this. And uh, we like Pablo. It's Pablo Day. We like Pablo. Hopefully Pablo Lopez is still a Marlin. And doesn't get traded because his name's been floated out. But guys like this catcher, Jacob Stallings, may not have the pop in his bat, but he throws pitchers out and he or batters out and he doesn't get past balls. The biggest problem with uh, Sandy Leon last season, except for his lack of bat and him being nothing but a trash can, was he he the past balls. And even worse with him is the other catcher that I haven't mentioned yet, Jorge Alfaro. Why haven't I mentioned Alfaro? Why am I praising Jacob Stallings as our starter and haven't mentioned Alfaro as our backup? Because Alfaro is no longer a Marlin. Personally, this makes me sad. From a personal standpoint, this makes me sad because I have a good friendship. I won't call it a friendship. I'll I'll call it a fanship. I have a fanship with Alfaro. What does that mean, a fanship? Well, Jorge Alfaro answers my messages on Instagram. I message the Marlins players. I try to interact. I don't just want to be a loud fan in the stands. I want them to know how much I appreciate them. I promise you, I never write them, even if they have a bad game, and tell them they how bad they were. I will I will just write them to say hello and just talk. He's one of the players, and he was a, a, a quote-unquote star, one of our stars. They they did a lot of marketing with him, 
So I'll count him as one of the stars. And he wrote me back. So uh, from that fanship standpoint, I'm sad. As a fan of the Marlins, I'm not sad. Because Jorge Alfaro was in another trade we made when this new ownership came in. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. We we uh, traded Real Muto. Alfaro was the backup catcher for the Phillies. And he became a Marlin. He was supposed to be the next big thing. Unfortunately, he has the speed. He, he just didn't have the bat. And I'm sorry. He, as, again, nicest guy. Nothing bad to say about him as a person. But as a player, he had flaws. And the flaws were shown no worse than this season with all the pass balls. There was like one or two every game. And they cost us games. When when your pitchers and the, our lineup after all the injuries we had, couldn't get hits, couldn't get runs. And when you have a, a one-run lead and you're pitching, let's say, a Sandy Alcantara is on bat, on on the mound and you have a one-run lead, you know he'll hold it, except if you get past balls. So Jorge Alfaro's gone. We now have Jacob Stallings in the blockbuster trade. And I call it a blockbuster for the Marlins because we got who we wanted. Unfortunately, we, we did give up uh, a couple prospects and Zach Thompson. Uh, Zach Thompson, another player I write on Instagram, doesn't write me back. Um, I did talk to him when I was in Denver for a couple minutes. He's a good guy. Um, always smiling. I think he even learned Spanish uh, because all the players speak spoke Spanish. He seemed like he was a good dude. Um, he was part of that trade as the only major leaguer. We gave up Kyle Nicholas and uh, Connor Scott, uh, both from what I read um, from Fish in the Farm or or or, or whatnot on on Twitter. Um, he they're, they're both good. Um, it's hard to give up prospects, but sometimes you have to to get a good good deal back, and that is what they did. They got we needed a catcher. He wasn't the, the the Contreras that everybody wanted. Not everybody. I'm happy with, with, with who we got. We got a guy who can help this pitching staff. You don't need the guy to score or hit home runs every game if he helps this pitching staff and doesn't have the pass balls. Which then will bring me to another move the Marlins made. Speaking of pass balls, this guy hit some past infielders all the time in Joey Wendell. Joey Wendell, a former Rays player, now Marlins. I think this trade came out of nowhere. Uh, this wasn't something that we went into the offseason saying, hey, we need another infielder. I mean, we do with the injuries that piled up this year. We saw that our infield depth in the majors was horrible. Our infield depth in this organization who is ready to come up or not ready to come up. I mean, last year uh, I, I sent out a tweet um, about, about this on Loud Marlins fan. I sent out a tweet uh, of um, our infielders' batting averages versus, versus uh, those who, who were on the team versus Joey Wendell. And we did give up uh, for Joey, and that's tough to do. You know, um, we gave up 
it looks like Cameron Meisner was the big part of that, a 23-year-old outfielder or third base prospect. He um, seems like the backbone of that. And um, that hurts to give depth away. But we're in win-now mode. We just gave $109 million out last Sunday. We just traded for Stallings. We just traded for Wendell. And he hit last season. Uh, it looks like 11 home runs, 54 RBIs, 73 runs batted in in 136 games last year for the AL East champion Rays. That, that's a good player. And apparently he doesn't wear batting gloves. So everybody's excited about that, having this guy on the team. Uh, but you have a guy that hit 253. I think the numbers for our infielders uh, last season were way under that. Um, he can't be unhappy with Joey Wendell coming to the fish because it gives us depth. We didn't have depth last year, guys. That hurt. It was so hard to watch this team or listen to this team when you got to the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth hitters because you you knew that it was going to be out. You were very top-heavy, but as far as depth was concerned, we didn't have it. Jose Devers was a rookie last season. He came up, I think he had the best batting average of all the backup infielders. I think he hit 244 last year in his rookie year. But then he got injured. Guy would look like a 17-year-old like a uh, on TV. Then we had John Birdie. Birdie's a good utility guy, but his batting average was... Uh, Last season, his batting average, let's see here, I think was like 210 last season, unfortunately. Uh, again, we're looking at two, two, 256 for Joey Wendell, so that's an upgrade there. Uh, you had Isan Diaz who was going to be our starting second baseman until Jazz whooped his ass uh, for the position in spring training last year. Jazz Chisholm batted 193 in 2021, did he son? Yeah, he had a grand slam, but what was that, like his only hit in the season? You got the back of that order that came up, and when injuries piled up, you you had uh, Lewis Brinson, you had Isan Diaz, you had Lewin Diaz, uh, and then Alex Jackson, if those are your four bottom hitters and then the pitcher, you're not going to win games when your sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth hitters can't hit. And he didn't have depth. Once Garrett Cooper went down, Jesus went down, Joe Panic freaking was on our team, and, and, it, and his average was way down. I, I don't think he was tendered here. But... Uh, Joe Panic had a horrible uh, season last year with the Marlins. So, I mean, in, in 2021, he, he batted uh, 208. He's a 264 career. When those are your players, and you get a guy like Wendell, and you, you have to give up your 21st overall prospect, yeah, do it. Because we're in win-now mode. And that's where we leave off. So the, in the last few days, the Marlins signed Sandy. I can't give more praise there. 
We we trade for Jacob Stallings. We got our catcher, defensive catcher, going to help this pitching staff. If he hits 8 to 10 home runs next year, that's great. I think combined our catchers last year until Nick Fortes came up. Fortes, Fortes, correct me on that if I said it wrong. But last season he had a couple home runs once he came up uh, as, a, as a rookie. But before him, I think between Jorge Alfaro and Sandy Leon, we had maybe six home runs the whole season. So now you get a guy in uh, Stallings. If he hits eight like he did this year, well, that's already an upgrade. Alex Jackson had a couple, but again, he strikes out like there's no tomorrow. So that that's what we're left with now. We, we made some moves. Jacob Stallings, Joey Wendell. Big signing in a right fielder, Garcia, who, if we don't make another move, can be seen in center, and that we'll see. And the Marlins keep saying they have one more left, one more move left. And we're wondering who that is. There's some trade rumors with AL teams that Craig Mish has reported on. He won't mention the team. Good for him, keeping that to himself. But they're looking for that center fielder. And we still don't know what's happening with uh, Nick Castellanos a homegrown talent from Parkland who left the Reds, but he's supposed to be asking for an additional uh, eight-year deal. And who knows if the Marlins will go for that. I'd like Nick to sign. I really would like him in right and left. We're left field uh, or left field, let's say, but he's a corner guy. He's not a center field guy, or he could come in and play third base. We do have an issue at third. We have a guy who's, Supposed to be really good, and B.A. is awesome, a good guy. He's had great conversations with him, but the guy's injury prone. That's not a shot at him. It's just some people are. We got weak bones, and he keeps. And he just had surgery. Hopefully, he's ready for spring training. But we're going to talk some more in the next episode of the Loud Marlins Fan Podcast. Again, please, right now, go to your social media. If you're not following me on any of them, or if you're not following me on all of them, please add me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, at Loud Marlins Fan. If you need any real estate help down here in South Florida, my wife is a realtor for Boynton Beach Realty. We'd love to help you find your next house. Please uh, message me, and I will provide her your contact information. And then, last but not least, for your next entertainment event, please uh, look into Good as Gold Events, located in Palm Beach County, Florida. We'll travel anywhere in the state of Florida, basically. And he's great. Uh, small business, uh, does weddings, uh, hosts tri trivia and bingo around bars in South Florida. Uh, Wednesday nights in Grandview and West Palm Beach. Sometimes I sub for him. So come out and watch, and, and watch us and play the game. This has been the Loud Marlin Fan Podcast. I appreciate it. I will do more episodes. I'm out of time. You have a great night. Let's freaking go. Hashtag let's get louder. Talk to you guys soon. Let's go fish.